The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green, cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 181 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? Good. We're on the heels of a historic week. Media lapping up. The Steph Curry three-point record. Were you watching live? Did you see it in hindsight? What did you think of Steph Curry breaking Ray Allen's record for uh, career three-pointers? I did, in fact, see it live. Uh, and I think we have similar thoughts. We actually have not discussed this prior to the show, but it, it sounds like you kind of thought maybe the celebration was a bit over the top. And I also found myself feeling that way because I don't think we need an arbitrary kind of like benchmark to celebrate Steph Curry, especially because like, there's like some chance he finishes with like 4,000 plus threes, like the distance he's going to put, I think between him and Ray Allen is going to be a ton, but it was a cool moment. And I thought that, you know, Steph seemed to think it was a very cool moment, which I, with I, which I think is, is fun. Like, and that, that, that's always good. And in MSG where there was a lot of people and it was, it was Reggie Miller, who I, as you know, I think is very bad as a color guy. Like he kept talking about like the buzz in the arena leading up to it. And it did seem like he was telling the truth. Like it, it felt like people were standing, like waiting for it to happen. So I'm glad that it happened early in the first quarter because it, it then kind of just allowed the game to go on after that. But it was cool. I mean, it it's not really a record that I think matters in the grand scheme of things, but it it is, it was cool. I have the exact same thoughts as you where it's like Steph Curry is like incredibly likable and easy to root for. And you're right. Like we didn't need a three point record to know that he's the best shooter of all time by a good margin. And that's, what's so amazing about him as a player is like, there's so many, there's very few sports debates that are not debates at all. You know, where it's like, who's LeBron versus Jordan or even like skill set wise, like who's the best rebounder ever. It's hard to say because, you know, is it Rodman or, you know, will Chamberlain put up 45 rebounds a game or whatever. And almost any sport, you could you could quibble about things. Who's the greatest NBA shooter of all time? I, I think is one of the few that is like there is no debate. Yeah, I think like old guys would would like throw like Larry Bird into the mix. And one of the things I did say to one of my friends last night is like the three point line's only been around since 1979, and coaches, you know, even through like what 2005, 2006, 2011 were like notoriously stupid and didn't want to shoot threes. So like. Obviously, there's a little bit of context to this that needs to be added, right. but and, I, I and don't that's, think that there's a, a credible argument for anybody else, really. And and by a good margin, I mean, like we were saying, the one thing we did text about was he, Steph Curry, in this season, is considered the MVP favorite, is shooting forty percent from three, and that's his lowest ever. Do you have his? Season. Do you have his odds right now? On let me look at it. There, there was a straw poll that came out that said. Um, he's the overwhelming favorite among voters right now. And that's just projecting right not projecting forward. That's just saying right now, if the season ended um, and we can get into that. I'll, oh, as I look up that on Bovada, Steph Curry plus plus one twenty, 
well ahead of the field. But wait, before we get into that, I want to talk about the record one more. Two things that I wanted to like bash the record. Same thing that you you alluded to, but like aggregate total number of threes. Like, did anyone know what the record was? Is that like a magic number? If, no. If you had even asked me, I think I knew. So so the build up, the build up to this over the last couple of weeks was kind of was kind of big for some reason. I, and I even thought like I was looking at the athletic and I was like, man, there's like a bunch of articles about like. Steph Curry like changing the NBA as he like approaches the three point record, but like I knew Reggie Miller owned it at one point, and I knew Ray Allen broke it. But if you had told me that the record was like two thousand or the record was like thirty five hundred, I don't I don't think I could have. Argued. Yeah, because I, we don't I have no idea. Basketball is the one sport where we really don't count total stats in that way. Like you talk about only total leaders. Po- only total points, right? That's, right. that's it. But like scoring leaders for the season is per game. Assist leaders is per game. Like we kind of know those numbers and we get excited about like a triple double, but no one knows how many, how many threes does Seth Curry shoot in the average season? Like no one really knows. Do you so, know what the record for threes in a season is? You know, he holds it, but do you know what? Well, I, record- I would just extrapolate and say, if you hit five a game, which is like what they do nowadays for 70 games, is that appropriate? Three fifty or whatever. Three. Is that right? Uh, his current record is four hundred and two. So yeah, three fifty would be pretty good. I'm I'm fairly certain that I think he has like all the top records of like three point seasons. I don't know. I could actually check this. Yeah, but, but and then but he's on pace for four forty this year, which would blow his own record out of the water. Right, and then maybe we'll start learning those numbers in the future. But and then your other point, it's like they just shoot an S load more threes now. So it's yeah. not a surprising record in any way. And the fact that I think James Harden is like fourth on the yeah, fourth all time. Right I, I saw that this morning and I was actually pretty surprised. Like it's not, yeah, a, it's you not a surprise, him, him. but like, like he's a volume shooter and he's good at it. But like, I think that record that it's not like an unbreakable record because I think there's probably 10 guys that are going to pass that record in this group because they're just shooting a lot more threes among them. James Harden is eventually hold on, hold on a second. That. Hold on a second. You think there are 10 guys that are in a pet that are currently NBA in the NBA that will end up with more threes than Steph Curry. Not Steph Curry. Uh, Ray Allen. Ray Allen. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, like I think you could pencil in like, I, I, it wouldn't even stun me if somebody like Buddy Heald ended up with right. more. Or like you know Bradley I mean? Beal, like Beal, Damian Lillard, definitely. all Lillard, these guys. Lillard and Harden like almost certainly will. Like Lillard is uh, Lillard is at like twenty one hundred, and I think Harden's like a slightly more than that, right? Those guys definitely will. Luca, I, you would assume the, will eventually. Yeah, if you shoot ten threes a game, you're going to pass it. The question is, is Steph Curry's record? That one's a debate. If that is eventually going to be unbreakable, it's, it's, I, I don't think so because eventually people might be shooting twenty threes a game. So I don't know. It's not unbreakable, but he may right. retire. He may retire with like. Like, let's just say he does get to 400 again this year. That would only be the second time that's happened. But it doesn't appear that he's, like, slowing down any time in the near, near future in terms of, like, his ability to get and make shots. And he's a guy that could probably hang around for a little while as long as he's not, like, doesn't fall off a cliff defensively because he can make open shots, obviously. So, like, he could easily add 2,000 more threes, right? I mean, that's possible. He needs six seven seasons at 300 threes a year. He's 33 right now. 2000 seems a lot, but like 12 to 1500 threes. If he hits yeah. 400, even in each of the next two seasons, then like 
you know, that's not even been likely. hot right now. I mean, he's on pace to like put up these gaudy numbers. I mean, relatively hot. And then yeah, the he's shooting thing. 39% from three. It's his 39.9%. Like you said, it's the lowest of his career. If you throw out the injury season when he shot, he only played five games, but like he's, he's shooting 14 threes a game, which is the most of his career. I'm yeah. sorry, 14 and, per 36. And you minutes. made the point too, like earlier, like what if, you know, he was able to do that right away? You know, like what would this record be if, it, you know, because they even on the Steph Kerr, Steve, Steve Kerr Warriors, when he started, like they weren't shooting 15 threes a game per guy, you know, like now we've embraced that, but he could have been putting up even gaudier numbers if they like unleashed him earlier. I was trying to check and see if LeBron was going to break this Ray Allen mark because I, I think that would I, be interesting because that's just like a clear like average shooter who's just hanging around. So he um, has he has two thousand twenty three made threes. So he's not going to break it, but he will finish in the top ten if he's not. I think he's like twelfth right now, maybe. But yeah, again, that's that's just like but that yeah, was like, like a guy Kidd. like Trey Young or a lot of. Um, I mean, he might be more than ten. Trey Young is definitely breaking it because like those um, guys like Trey Young, like Luca. And then, like, some guys obviously coming in that are going to be really good shooters, like, they're all going to shoot 10 threes a game for their career. Like, that's just what is going to happen, right? What about Russell Westbrook? Is he even in the conversation? Because I know he shoots a decent amount of threes. LeBron is 11th in career threes. That's is cool. Russell Westbrook in the conversation? What are you talking about? All right, hold on. I don't know, because I thought he shot, like, you know, six a game at one point. Um which you I mean, know would be a lot. Let me tell you the let me tell you the active players currently in the top fifty for for three point makes: Danilo Gallinari, Nick Batum, Lou Williams, Danny Green, Trevor Ariza, Kemba, Eric Gordon, Mello, Durant, Wes Matthews. Like J.R. Smith is sixteenth. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is just a total different era. And right. it doesn't take it and, away and those guys, that. like the J.R. Smith era, is not even this era. So you know the guys who are just like checking it up, like you said, Buddy Healed. Kyle Lowry's 17th, right? And that's not a guy that you think of as like a volume three-point shooter. I think we're like Grinch on Christmas because I wanted to also throw some cold water on Steph Curry's season. Again, love the guy. Is there anyone more fun to watch? Um, He's worse than Giannis and Jokic. Well, well, here's the thing. Probably probably Durant too. So they did the straw poll, ESPN, and... I think it was like 95 out of 100 people said they would vote for Steph Curry right now. And the odds reflect that, obviously, on Bovada. We'd mentioned plus 120 translates to 45% chance. That's and I would fade that at 45%. Yeah, and so the other guys right now, Kevin Durant, plus 450. Giannis, plus 600. Jokic, very low, plus 1,300. Insane. So that's How that's is a that 7% possible? chance. How is that possible? I don't know. His numbers are, are off the charts again. I think it's a seed thing, but the seeding can change pretty quickly. And this is why I think it, I wrote a little post on Reddit, shit, shameless plug to myself. Steph Curry may be the MVP front runner right now, but history, recent history suggests he'll be an unlikely winner. And here are some arguments for this. Okay. A little research for you. Sit back and relax and listen to this. Um, basically the MVP trophy has become a young man's game. Back when stars used to play every game and every night and play 35 plus minutes, the average age of the MV, you know, MVPs usually went to like veterans. And to illustrate that, in the 90s, the whole decade of the 90s, the average age of the MVP winner was 30.8. And the youngest winner was 27. In the last few years, since 2009, that has dropped. The average age of the MVP is down to 25.7. 
And the reason for that is mostly, you know, load management and resting. Like the young guys have the energy to play every night, heavy minutes, and the older guys take time off. But Steph has already won an MVP playing in less games. That Well, he played a good amount the years he won. Um, and he hasn't played a lot since. And so to illustrate that, since his last MVP season, he's played 65% of the regular season games. And even what's that number if you throw out? What's that? That's a good question. Throw throw out out the the five game game season. Yeah. Then he averages 65 games a year. Oh, okay. Which is well below the 75. Oh, and the other item I mentioned the average MVP plays about 75 games a year, which adjusted for COVID is up to about 78. So they play a, a lot of games, usually the MVP. So you're banking on Steph Curry not slowing down from loan management. You're banking on him to staying healthy, which he hasn't in the last five years. And then you're banking on the fact that, you know, Denver right now is the eighth seed. Milwaukee's the third seed. Those might change. And, and I think Giannis and Jokic are the kind of like horses that are going to play, you know, 35 minutes for a 75 so he, plus game. So he played 80 and 79 games in his MVP season. Yeah. Just the fir- that first year. Like what are the odds that he's going to play 75 games this year? I think it's less than 50-50. Right. He has not. I mean, obviously, it's, it's hard to talk about that through like, you know, the two, the shortened season. And then obviously a COVID break, like he played yeah. what, 63 games. Right. And last just season. one but last stat to illustrate it. He'd be 33 if he wins. There has not been an MVP that old since 1999. I mean, there's only, only been one, there's only been one 30 year old MVP set. Right. Carl Malone, you're, you're talking about Carl Malone. Carl right? Malone was old. He was Steve 35. Nash was over 30. Steve but Nash he, is the only MVP over 30. That was what? Yeah. 2000. That was like 2006. Six, yeah. Hmm. So most MVPs are 26, 27, you know, in sort of the young prime. Can I, can I ask you a question about this? Like, mm-hmm. is this not the perfect scenario for him to win MVP though? Like I'm not, I'm well, not necessarily arguing with you, but if, if we're going to talk about the MVP, it seems a little early, right? There's only been, I think it's 20, they, they've played 27 games after right. Tuesday night. But I think that the, first of all, this, this is like stupid, right? Cause I can't get into the mind of voters, but like there is this thing about Jokic where like, you, you basically have to like force people to vote for him, right? Like he can yes. be the best player in the NBA on a nightly basis. And like, people just don't want to acknowledge it because one, because of like how he plays. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's his personality. I don't think it's because he's European. I just think it's because like he, you know, he's on the West coast, but he's also like, unless you purely like love passing, right. It's, it's hard to like totally appreciate how good he is. And I think that's one thing. And then I also think there's voter fatigue, like Giannis has just done the same thing every night for like four right. straight years, right? It's well, just, I, and I'm not saying I just don't I'm not saying he's not going to win. I'm he might be the favorite right now, Steph Curry, because yeah. he has a lot going for him. Top seed, good the stats, guy, media loves them. And the I just line. I just don't. I, what I agree with you on is that I don't think Jokic or Giannis, who I think are the two legitimate MVPs through this portion of the season, are the ones that are going to beat him. I do think Kevin Durant has the narrative on his side, considering kind of like what Brooklyn's situation is and some of the games that he's putting together, I could see people wanting to vote for Kevin Durant because of that. And that's the guy that I think is the biggest danger to Steph Curry right now. Well, I think Jokic is, but I I think the point is the betting market is is kind of out of whack. If you think Steph Curry's 45% chance and Jokic is 7% chance, I think it's closer to even. I think those four guys that we're talking about yeah. all have like a 20% chance. I think Giannis has the least 
chance for some reason. And I, I don't quite get that. And maybe I'm wrong because the, the, the Bucks start of the season was slower. They, they didn't have Drew. They didn't have Chris Middleton for a time. Now Giannis is out uh, in COVID protocols as well. But like with those three guys healthy, they still haven't had Brooke Lopez at all this year. But like with Middleton, Giannis and uh, Drew Holiday, I think they've only had two losses with those guys. And they very clearly played like the best team in the East. So like possibly if the Bucks just roll in the second, like after Christmas and into the right. second half of the season, maybe he gets more love than he's getting right now. But like, well, there's not, a whole I think, lot more I think, do. I think all these guys would except Jokic. I think the one seed is out of sight, but like if it's golden state, if it's Brooklyn, if it's Milwaukee, that is a big feather in your cap. What happens if like Phoenix is like, what happens if golden state hits a rough patch? Right. And Phoenix just like runs away with the one seed or like, or like Utah runs away with the one seed because like Utah is again, incredibly good. And like, at some point, don't you, does like Rudy Gobert like get a lifetime achievement award, Zan? Like, you know, well, you what know I mean? it's funny. We, we were talking about what to do for this podcast. Obviously Steph Curry is the main thing, but we we're like, should we talk about Christmas gifts for certain teams? And, and we did holiday, holiday gifts, holiday gifts. I want just Christmas gifts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. Holiday gifts. Although Hanukkah's already passed. Yeah, it's over. So those teams um, that those teams celebrating Hanukkah, they missed out on their opportunity to improve their roster. And I think kind of offensively, I did not have any Jewish players mentioned in the MVP voting discussion either. Well, wow, that is actually offensive. You should you should you should go um, back. But I was gonna say for Utah, I'll just we'll just drop a few because we don't want to go through every team. But I was saying like what Utah should get this year are MVP votes for Rudy Gobert. I'm not saying number one, but just put him on the ballot. Give him a top five spot because he's shooting 74% true shooting. Obviously not a high degree of difficulty, but, and he's also in constantly in the defensive player of the year discussion. His team's constantly in the top seed. I mean, how is it not clear? This guy is one of at least the 10 most valuable players in the league, but he, yeah. he's never given that respect. It's, it's like amazing, right? Because like John Hollinger wrote this thing last year about how Jokic was, you know, 100% the MVP. But like, I think he had Rudy Gobert. I don't know if he said Rudy Gobert was second or third. I can't remember if he had Embiid in front of him or not, but besides the point. And like, nobody did that, right? And, and Utah is, again, trying to figure it out. Like, we've talked about this kind of on, on the peripheries of the show the last couple months is that Utah is kind of doing like what Milwaukee's doing, did last year. where They're trying to figure out the right way to play. And, and figure out, like, their issues in the playoffs during the regular season. But, like, at some point, Rudy Gobert needs more credit than just, like, defensive player of the year because, like, they, they can't win without him. Like, right. They, and that's, not, like, the carrot they throw at him. Yeah, it's, it's insane. And, I'm, again, I'm not even saying that he deserves to win MVP. No, I had him last year on my fake ballot, like, fifth. And but, I think but, that's about fair. But, Dan, the, the, the balance of, like, what people think – in terms of like, if you're a good offensive player and you're a good defensive player, like it's just, and I, I think it, it is fair to say that like offense is a bit more important just considering how the NBA is right now. But like, it's not so much more important that like Rudy Gobert should be like forgotten. I feel this kind of way about Draymond Green too this year because when you watch him at like his full level of caring, he's just so like disruptive and he just allows you to do so many different things that like, he probably deserves a little bit more love than he gets. And I know, again, these are two guys that the media doesn't really seem to like to begin with. Well, so, I, yeah, I think, I think Gobert is, has the sort of same as Jokic kind of thing where like foreign centers, he doesn't get a lot of publicity. Donovan Mitchell scores more, but it's weird to me that like Chris Paul gets MVP love 
mm-hmm. and he'll get votes again. But he averages about the same number of points. He's actually averaging less. Um, and I think if you and Chris Paul's great, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But if you like watch like game to game, I think Rudy Gobert is more Chris Paul, influential on the. Chris game. Paul definitely gets more credit for like intangible things than anybody I've ever seen. And I'm not even saying it's wrong. Like he literally everywhere Chris Paul's played, the team has improved, right? Right. And so, but like his numbers this year are not great. They're good. I mean, he's also old, right? Like we're not shitting on Chris Paul, but like he also will get MVP votes for being like a leader. And we don't see other players get votes in the same vein. LeBron will get a couple like that too. I, I would imagine eventually yeah. his numbers will get. Well, to and it's, point. it's amazing. LeBron is down to plus 66 to one, basically. I, I don't think he's going to win it. Don't get me wrong, but like that has to that's be the his lowest. Cur- that's his current odds yeah. on Bovada, 66 to one. Yeah. Wow. That's, I don't know if it. there's a path for him to win it, but it just feels disrespectful anyway. <laughs> It's interesting. I, I think that he is like he's in, below Zach Levine right now. Yeah. I, which I makes think sense the, based on like the storyline of the season, but there's only it's only been a quarter of the season. So I, I think LeBron is kind of enjoying where they're at right now. And I don't say that with like any sort of insider knowledge, but I actually feel like for some reason that like LeBron being in this role, like where he thinks everyone's doubting him. Is like such a good spot for him. Like, but don't he, you think this is the first season where it feels like that's actually true? That he does. Oh feel yeah, like he's the, out. the guy hasn't been doubted since like 2008. Right, he's been the best player in the NBA for like a long time. But don't you agree? Like, I see it all on social media and in the media now. It's like no one is doing the holdover. LeBron's still the best player in the world. Argument. No, it. he's because he's not. It's not like his fault either. Like, did like, you see the Athletic published this like? survey with like former NBA players. Right. And, and the first article was like, former NBA players are experts on the NBA. And I was like, yeah, not so much, not so much in these days, but they rated Durant, the best player Durant, then LeBron, then Giannis. And it, it does feel to me that like Giannis should certainly be ahead of LeBron. Mm-hmm. And then Durant obviously should be ahead of LeBron. And I do think Jokic should be ahead of LeBron as disrespectful as that seems because he doesn't have the same resume, yeah. but like those three guys on a nightly basis and Steph too, I think yeah, are I better think, than LeBron. Yeah. Right there now. is a, sort of the LeBron. And I think in a way LeBron benefits, cause I agree with you. I think he's either fourth or fifth. And in a way he's benefiting from the fact that Kawhi is not playing and Harden's not playing as well. And Luke is not playing as well. So like, he he might have fallen out of the top five. But if also, those guys were playing well. But also, too, LeBron has missed, I think, like nine or ten games, uh, uh, maybe more than that. He's only played sixteen games this year, right? Now he's playing a ton of minutes, and you know he's still averaging like I think twenty six, seven, and six, right? So his numbers are still very, very good. It's just different in terms of how he's playing and how he's scoring. But like he has played a ton of minutes, and so like let's say, let's say LeBron misses, you know five more games the rest of the way and the Lakers do go on a pretty big run. They gel, like they figure it out. And LeBron ends the season having played, you know, 71 games, 70 games, averaging 26, seven and six and the Lakers with a five seed. Do you, are you telling me that like, he's not going to get top three, top four MVP votes? He'll get, I think he'll, he can climb his way back into the top 10. I just don't know if he's not going to, you know, playing 70 games might be hard at this point. Yeah, he's played 16, right? And I think they've played 28 as a team, yeah. so he can't. He he would have to miss zero games. <laughs> that's hard. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But they are but, 15 and 13. They are playing. Yeah, they're they'll be okay. 
Um, and the West oh, is not looking that scary right now. I do, do think they're a move he... away. Do you want to hear my Christmas list? A few, because I know you you didn't totally complete this. I have a couple. I have a couple Christmas lists. Let's things. let's do our top like three. You did a couple in the East. I did a couple in the West. Give me your Christmas holiday wish list for a few teams out East. Okay, the first one is Boston, and I think that Boston's holiday wish list is that the Wizards decide they like Jalen Brown better than Bradley Beal because I just I don't think that's far-fetched number one. I just think that I think that the Celtics are realizing now that as good as Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are and they are both incredibly good players they don't provide the level of like playmaking that that the Celtics need and since they don't have that like Dennis Schroeder's having a really good year but like he's not going to re-sign with Boston so they should probably move Dennis Schroeder if they really want to get better in the future but they had so many like swings and misses on moves and so many swings and misses on like first round draft picks that just you know haven't really worked you know Peyton Pritchard's probably their best like first rounder since Jalen Brown right or I guess Robert Williams uh, you know he's quite good but it's it's like they, they just need another piece. And I don't think you can play these two guys together and just have them be like iso ball after iso ball. And then we hear all this stuff in the locker room about Jason Tatum and about Jalen Brown. And it's like, I think they like each other. I think they're probably friends, but I just think the fit is wrong. And as we've seen, you probably want to identify that earlier than later. And so for me, I think the Celtics need to decide this year how to improve for the next few seasons. And I think that, I think they need to try to get Brad Beal. I, I think that's the guy to pair well, with no. Jason Tatum because he would want to go to Boston, right? And now the issue is... And they're both the from Wiz- Missouri. Right, they're friends. They, you know, they, they played at the same high school, like same A. You know, he played for Brad Beal Elite, St. Louis Eagles, all that nonsense. Like, I just think that if I'm the Celtics, I've made my bed with Jason Tatum, I think. And I, I don't, you know, obviously you're not moving him. And so if he's going to be the guy, I think you need to go all in on that. And And... That's, that's interesting. I, I think that's an overreaction because I think there's maybe a, a compromise move they could make to find like a third guy and, and keep Tatum and Brown. They don't have a lot. And I think Emekia Odoku is not doing a lot of favors because theoretically you would showcase some of your young assets, but he's like burying them. Like Naismith, nine minutes a game. Peyton <laughs> Pritchard looked good last year, nine minutes a game this year. I mean, it's just like, who's trading for those guys now? And those yeah. would have been your carrots last year. But you're, you're also not, you know, like, are you moving Josh Richardson on a one-year deal? Are you moving Grant Williams? Like, they don't want to remove Robert Williams. People really like Robert Williams. But, like, so are you moving Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder? Like, the, the problem is, like, the, the, the yeah. guy that's a, the, the players that are available to them don't really make a lot of sense. And so if you're going to make a big move to get a lot better, I think you, you're going to have to move your most tradable asset. Well, Chris Mannix, who hosts a podcast for Sports Illustrated, is very connected with the Celtics and kind of their mouthpiece. He was floating, you know, trade offers, and mostly of them were involved around Marcus Smart and Robert Williams packaged together, maybe for like a CJ McCollum type or something like that, which kind of makes sense if you could do it. That could be interesting. Now, CJ, again, he's not playing, so the most tradable guy in the league. You know, what what about though, like, like, what about Ben Simmons? Like, again, I, I don't think... Yeah, why not? I mean, he would work with Tatum, right? I mean... You would, th- you would think, at least, he would work with Tatum. But that's why him. I wouldn't blow up the Tatum and Brown thing, because like, there's no fit issue beside the fact that they're not, like, great passing. Yeah, correct. They should be able to play together in well, theory. Let's, let's ping-pong it, because one of those kind of relates to mine. Hit holiday me. wish list. 
who made this roster? Danny Ainge, who I think, you know, look, if you're a GM for 10 plus years, you're going to have some mistakes. But overall, I think he, he did a really good job building the team, um, rebuilding the team, you know, making that Garnett, Paul Pierce trade at the right time, getting young assets. You know, Tatum was not considered going to be, a, you know, this is best case scenario for Tatum, I think. He's been scoring 26 points a game. Jalen Brown's been better than expected. I think the Brad Stevens hire was a good one at the time. You know, it worked out for the most part. They made several conference finals. My point is Danny Ainge is a pretty good GM. And I think he would be a good replacement for Portland, who apparently are not interested in Danny Ainge, even though he's from Oregon. I, I just think he would add some stability and some like smart, you know, team building to a team that just hasn't figured it out yet, like how to put their roster together. Um, I think they're, the idea that their current GM, the interim, whatever GM is going to come in and make some tweaks does not sound appealing to me. I think you need somebody with like a broader vision. And I think if they hire Danny Ainge, they, I would feel better about like the future in Portland. I, they have ownership issues and maybe they can't afford it. I don't know. But that was my wish list for them. A good, solid GM like Danny Ainge. That's a pretty interesting. That's a pretty interesting one. Because like Portland, I mean, they're 11 and 17 after losing on Tuesday night. We, we heard that like Damian Lillard gave like a very impassioned speech about how like they're not going to fold. And like, I, I believe that. I believe that Dame believes that. But as the days get, you know, as we get deeper into the season, it just feels like they're and at an also watching. Point. Yeah, I was watching that game with against Phoenix, and they didn't have CJ McCollum, who has a bruised lung or whatever. Collapsed lung sounds Collapsed worse. Lung. But it was just more evidence. That I think they didn't win, but they they hung tough. That look like it's just over for CJ McCollum in Portland. Like Norman Powell can play shooting guard. They can get bigger. Simons can be your third guard. They don't. He's probably gone though, right? In any CJ McCollum deal, they're going to have to include something else, I think, because the guys that are available for, you know, CJ McCollum are probably a little bit better, right? Unless you do, I mean, I can't I imagine. Think they, the, I just think they need to get bigger. Like and, Marcus and, Smart and Robert Williams for CJ McCollum is is kind of interesting in terms of what yeah. Portland's or getting are. if they could get like I don't think you know three team trade get like a Miles Turner or something because yeah they could use some. Yeah. It's okay, but he, he's not aging that well right now, it looks like. And then he's he's young still, actually. He's only 27. But I think they need to mix it up. I think they need to go bigger. They need a, a decent forward. Um, and I think that's smart. I think that's what I would do for them. I don't know. CJ McCollum, I think, fits a lot of teams. I'm, I'm actually hopeful that he'll get a chance to like shine somewhere because I think he has more in the tank than he's been able to show. I mean, he's been really good for like five years. I don't know, you know, more... I don't know, more in the tank. Do you want the next one or you want me to give another one? I mean, my next one was that <laughs> my my next uh Christmas wish list was that Cleveland trades for a capable wing. I don't I don't mm-hmm. really know like who that like is. Anybody. Just yeah. just literally like a, a live body that can play some two and some three. And I think I think that Cleveland is quite good. And I think that what ends up happening, and we've talked about this uh, some some on the show, but like what ends up happening is teams get there. Memphis is a a really good example of this as they keep winning without John Morant, but like Memphis is a team that like they were better than expected earlier than expected. And so you don't want to panic, right? You don't want to be like, Oh my God, now we got to go all in on making the playoffs. But at the same time, you also don't want to be too comfortable. And I think that Cleveland is in that boat right now of like, Hey, Evan Mobley has a chance to be one of the best players in the NBA. Jared Allen's been awesome. 
Darius Garland has taken a step forward. Kevin Love has a little bit more in the tank. And Colin Sexton is injured and a restricted free agent. And I think that they need to look at their team right now without him and be like, you know what? He's a guy that's available to other teams. Maybe they can sign him. Maybe they can trade him and not let him walk away for nothing. Because I just think that paying Colin Sexton for a team like the Cavs is probably a mistake. And so I think they need to find a, a Yankee swap, I guess, with you know Colin Sexton and another team. Because I think that that's the best way for Cleveland to really improve without doing something drastic. Because I think paying Colin Sexton, you know, $80 million is a really good way to limit your ceiling. And it's well, not that he's not a good player. It's just that he, for what they specifically need, unless Isaac Okuru has like way more in the tank than we've seen, they're still incredibly weak on the wing. And they don't right. have like the depth and the prospects that you'd expect to see. And so that's where I wonder, you know, can they find a trade partner, get themselves some assets for Colin Sexton, and then also avoid tying up their cap sheet in somebody who likely isn't a great long-term fit. Well, I think it's, it's actually fitting that we talked about them after Portland because it's like they were staring Portland's problem in the face of like having these two little guards and no wings, bigger wings. I think you're right. They need to somehow trade sex. And I think his value is diminished aside from the injury just because like, like people are on to the fact that he's just sort of a scorer. Um, I don't see a lot of wings on the market. A few that I saw that might be traded. Like Malik Beasley's not doing much for Minnesota right now. He might be a little, he's not like a big wing, but Dylan Brooks, maybe he's not needed in Memphis anymore. They're playing well without him. Um, Buddy Heald, obviously, is on the market. None of those guys are like great defense, you know, big defenders, but just a, a real shooting guard as opposed to Colin Sexton, who's just like a scorer, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, but he doesn't really make sense in Minnesota, though, either. You know, no. like it's, that's, that's the problem. I, I just think that. I, I maybe a three-team trade. Could you find? I mean, you could find somebody who would take Colin Sexton. The problem is that he wants a big contract, and what? Who get, who wants to give him a big contract? I don't know. Right, somebody will because he. I mean, he's good, right? Like he. I, I don't know that like a team like Dallas doesn't make sense for somebody like him. They struggle really to score like without Luca and like you know. Can you can you add a guy who like his role is specifically kind of like spark plug scorer? Like he what would about, make. What about like a Utah? Deal. He would make sense. Colin Sexton goes to Detroit. And is sort of like the spark plug scorer, you know, next to Cade. Detroit sends Jeremy Grant, who's a hot property for a lot of teams, somewhere else. And then Cleveland gets back something. I think Cleveland might do it for like a, you know, a lottery pick, really. You know, I don't know how, how valuable Sexton is right now. Yeah, I don't know either. Especially like, you know, meniscus injury, you're not too terribly like terrified about, I guess. But at the same time, like it's still a lost year. And it's a guy who relies on explosion. Uh, But I think that, I don't know. I I just think that like Cleveland, they're 17 and 12 as of us recording. And I'm not saying that they couldn't go on a big losing streak, but since they're not planning on doing that this year, like there's no reason for them to to tank. I don't know why. I, I don't know why like they wouldn't elect to improve this year and continue to try to make the playoffs. Like I'm not saying like, don't do anything crazy. But I don't know why, like, there's no reason to think that Cleveland is not an actual good NBA team for the first time since LeBron's been there, right? Like, they they do appear to be quite good playing a very different style than a lot of teams. And it it kind of speaks to this discussion about the trade supply and demand problem in the trade market where Cleveland doesn't need any more big guys. No, they they don't. They're good. They're good on bigs. But 
most of the guys on the market right now seem like they're big guys, like whether it's, you know, Evan Turner or some bonus or, you know, I, I think the value, like there's not many wings that are available. Um, and that kind of ties me to another one, a two-parter. Oklahoma City, you know, they're tanking, whatever. They, they hopefully get a good pick and they really could use like a good big guy. They're one of the few teams that don't really have that. Um, and they've missed out on that. Like they didn't get a high pick this year. Couldn't get Evan Mobley. They had Sangoon and they traded that pick away to Houston. And that ties me to my next point. Houston, like, I think they need a Christian Wood trade. I like Christian Wood, but like Sangoon, I think it's, he was a polarizing prospect. I think like the jury's almost out that he's legitimately pretty good and they need to like free him and play him heavier minutes. I mean, in, Per thirty six, they just rookie, paid. 90. They just paid Christian Wood though too. Christian Wood but, is an interesting guy if he's actually on the trade market. But look Seriously. at Alperen Sengun, nineteen years old, averaging per thirty six, eighteen points, nine rebounds, five assists, two steals, and a block a game. I mean, there's something there. I mean, yeah. you know, people compared him to Jokic early. Like maybe that's higher praise than he needs, but he's he's definitely something. He's definitely going to be a good starter. And I think they need to give him that lane sooner than later. Right, because he's only playing like 18 minutes a game, right? Yeah. He's not playing a ton. But it's interesting because they kind of like force-fed Jalen Green minutes early in the season, and he like wasn't up ready. Which they certainly will do when he's healthy again. Right. And I think they might have should have done the reverse, where it's like, I think Sangoon is further along right now than Jalen Green, despite the G League year. You know what's funny? I would love, and this this will not happen, but I, I would love to see... Boston figure out a way to like they don't need Christian Wood but I'd love to see Boston figure out a way to get John Wall like just because I don't think that like Wall is like excellent by any means like I'm not I'm not sure that he has even anything left of the tank we haven't really seen him play in a year but for teams that like need a playmaker and like they need some athleticism and I think there's a couple teams like this honestly like I think Cleveland is fine like I think Minnesota would be pretty good but Nobody's going to take that contract on, but I wonder if there's some teams that as they get close to the trade deadline will be like, you know what, like this is a potential difference maker, like NBA level starter that we could add down the stretch and and see if they could do it. Right. And Houston, like you said, probably needs to be still collecting assets. Right. And that's why the Christian Wood thing stinks for them, because like he's good. That was a good signing by them, but his timeline's not the same. So like and but and he has some trade value. I mean, he's not like great in all aspects but like couldn't you see him he could play like brooklyn or something like that or sacramento yeah Bro- i yeah. mean brooklyn definitely but like again they're not going to trade like sacramento he makes a ton of sense i think if they're really trying to like improve like around the pieces that they have i honestly think he makes a lot of sense for the lakers but they obviously don't have any like ability to make any moves he's another guy like i, I think him next to zion would be pretty good but there's not a lot of you know potential for a move there and that, that's the thing like if you're houston like what's the balance of like what players you can get back for a guy like Christian Wood after you, you know, you paid him and you gave him a new contract and all that stuff. Like what, what do you get that's as good as him? But that's why it was so weird that they, you know, taking Sangin and then taking Usman Garuba, like it makes sense. But at the same time, like if you're going to draft these lottery tickets, you got to scratch them off at some point. Right. So what's right. And, and maybe they would say like, we'll have some patience having a buffer of Christian Wood being good allows Singun to, to develop slowly it's no rush but i think it's clear that he he's eventually going to be starting and as soon as next year so yeah and probably and long, you can get something for christian wood right now all right i have one last one 
Okay. I think that Joe Sy and Sean Marks are writing to the mayor of New York City and asking oh, no. that they that, and and they're going to say for Christmas they'd like the vaccine mandate or the vaccine rules lifted in New York. And I don't think that's going to happen. However, this Brooklyn team, as we've talked about, ad nauseum, is 100% the title favorite. And they, I, I'm certain, I don't know if they, they currently are on Bovada, uh, but I am certain up. that they will be the second Kyrie Irving returns and shows that he can play. We saw some reporting from The Athletic earlier this week that there is growing optimism that he will play. I don't understand how that's the case because... I don't. It doesn't sound like the Nets are going to budge if he can't play in home games because he can still practice with them, right? Like he, he can practice in the Nets practice facility, but he cannot play in home games. So I don't know how it's going to happen, but I think now we're seeing this like media kind of push that that it it may happen, which I did not think was the case. So I don't know if they think that like Kyrie's going to get vaccinated. He said he would not. I don't know if like they think that like the New York City mandate rules are going to be different, but I do think that the Nets and their front office and Kevin Durant, I, I include him in their front office, I guess. I think they realize that like, damn, they're really, really good. And they beat bad teams. They just beat up on bad teams, but they're not going to be good enough without him. I don't think. And I think that as these guys get older and I think Harden is part of this, they just can't waste this year. And so I, I, I think like that's the Christmas wish list is what can we do to get this guy back in the gym because he claims he's not retiring, right? Like he claims he wants to play at some point. And so it's a little bit of a two-way street, but I think we're starting to see that narrative build that he's going to come I, back. I and like I, your, I like your logic. I don't like the resolution of like Kyrie wins by being allowed to play. I think it's so easy. And it, well, you're right about the, the favorite actually on Bovada, they're a heavier favorite than I thought. They must be optimistic that the laws are changing because Brooklyn is plus 280 by far the number one pick to win the title. Warriors are second plus 600. Milwaukee plus 650. Phoenix plus 850. Lakers down to plus 1100 now. Um, So I think that there's some optimism that Kyrie's coming back. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy that like, I see articles like, you know, Harden's been out too. It's like Durant heroically plays 40 minutes he shouldn't have to do this. I mean, him and, him and Harden, like the, the effort that those guys are logging and now Harden is starting to play a lot better. He, he's still, there's still some like warts there, but he's definitely played himself back into like passable shape. But like they're having Durant take nights off and Harden's just playing 40 minutes, three, yeah, four nights those guys in, three, four games hurt, in a row. But... It's crazy. And so, you know, Joe Harris will come back. He had ankle surgery. Like he'll come back and that'll, that'll help. Nick Claxton being back is definitely helpful, but they played with seven guys on Tuesday night against Toronto because of guys in COVID protocols and like they played an overtime game with seven dudes or eight dudes. I think like, and they won, right? And they and won. I think they need to ease off the gas. And that gets me to another idea for Christmas present to the league, you know, cause the bulls are wrecked with COVID you mentioned Brooklyn. Is it time? Obviously there's a G league and there's pretty big rosters. You know, I think it's up to like 15, right? Is it time for like a practice squad? Like the NFL like a, has. Like a taxi. Like, like the, the yeah, taxi baseball squad had this too, a taxi squad. That practices away from the team so you don't spread COVID. Five guys that, and the reason that they differ know. from the G League is the G League, you have to call them up. You have to sign them to a 10-day or whatever if you don't own them. Yeah. These guys would be employed by the team, have the same coaches, have the same playbook, be ready to go. 
is it time to have three extra guys in reserve like that? Yeah, I don't, I don't mean, uh, my gut on this is that uh, no, they won't do it because it costs money and that affects people's bottom lines. But just in in, in defense of your argument, I want to canceling games. I want to, I want to read you the players on the nets that played 30 plus minutes last night. They played an overtime game. Okay. Against they played Toronto. They won. They played Blake Griffin, 30 minutes and 42 seconds. Uh, David Duke, 37 minutes and 39 seconds. And he started. Kessler, Kessler Edwards, 43 minutes and 41 seconds. Wow. Uh, Patty Mills, 43 minutes. And then uh, Kevin Durant, he of the former torn Achilles, 48 minutes in, a, in an effort, in a comeback win for the Nets. So I just that's like an MVP argument right there. No, that, that's my point. Like he, yeah. you know, and he, he triple doubles. It's like, we, we kind of forget. We don't forget. We, we don't forget. But when Durant wants to really rebound and really pass, like he can do it. Right. And, and when it's required of him to, I just feel like he's had more of these like Herculean efforts in the last like few years than we remember, like, or we remembered prior to him getting hurt. Does that make sense? Cause even like the Olympics, like whenever they needed him, like he was there. Right. And with the nets last year, like, I mean, if his foot was a size 17 or whatever, or size 15, like they beat, the Bucks. I don't know that they win the title, but like, this is a guy that just like, this is why I think he's going to win MVP because I, I just think he has a better, he was coming back from injury. They have the whole Kyrie Irving thing. Like Harden's been injured. Like they're not that deep. And like, yet they are playing to the expectation that you'd expect. They're in first in the East. And there's a, a lot of, there's definitely some ability of them to raise their ceiling, but I agree with you, Zan. Like is, is Kevin Durant going to be able to like play 45 minutes a night in the playoffs? We saw him do it and in the end of the Bucks series. Like they just looked like they were ready to collapse. They were mm-hmm. both teams looked so tired. And I just, I worry like nobody's played 82 games in the last two seasons. Right. So like, what's, what are we going to see from him or from Harden down the stretch? It, it just, they yeah, just, and it's, it's just weird to me. If you're Kyrie Irving watching that game, he probably is not, you know, he's watching something else, but what do you think he's watching? That's a good, that's a that's good a great like, question. What, what do you think he was watching? He's probably watching like some like, youtube video on like fake news you know like some slanted youtube video about some conspiracy theory um but how can you watch that and like even if you're uncomfortable if you have a moral stand against the vaccine i understand is this the hill you want to die on is this your number one cause i don't understand that but if it's a matter of comfort like how can you watch your friends that like you signed up to play together struggling risking their health it's just because you don't want to get a shot. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, and again, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm curious to see where this reporting is coming from because, you know, I think Shams Sharania has protected Irving a lot over the last couple months, and he's been pretty good at trying to like both sides the argument here. And you and I have, you know, not. Well, not I, been as I good would as- just hate if Kyrie Irving comes back in a month or two and is treated like a returning hero. Or if he comes back for the playoffs and his teammates did all the heavy lifting to get there and he just comes in fresh as a daisy and plays well in the playoffs and is a hero. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I I didn't think that he would play. Like I was pretty confident at the start of the season that we would not see him this year. And I'm surprised before Christmas to see reporting that like the Nets are optimistic about it. And I'm curious and more than anything, like is this coming from Kyrie's camp or is this coming from the Nets camp? They're like, hey, maybe we would be open to letting you play road games. 
because because it, it came from the Nets yeah. that like he can only and, play. They want and, him all in that's or nine. A, yeah, same kind of thing where it's like a moral stand from the Nets' point of view. Maybe it's just like all right, let's just let him play. I mean, we we have bigger goals here than fighting about COVID. Yeah, I wonder. It's interesting. I really wonder if Durant really came to him and was like, "Look." Like my legacy matters to me, and like you're letting me down. Like, does that matter to Kyrie Irving? And I don't know that it does. I, I'm just saying, like, it, it seems like. Or if Durant and Harden, who by the way could opt out this year, next year. Well, they were supposed um, to. Like Kyrie was supposed to get a contract extension too, right? And that hasn't happened yet. And I think it's in doubt because if you're James Harden, you know, who's on the decline, his window shrinking to win a title. If this bleeds over to next year. Do you really want to play on a team that's going to be depleted because they have like a forty million dollar hole in their roster? Yeah, I don't. I mean, again, it's it's a situation where I think I think the Nets are probably the ones driving the bus on this, where they're like, "Hey, we might be willing to consider some other options, right?" And that's just kind of how it is. And and again, this is just such a stupid thing to be arguing about in general. But like, I do think Kevin Durant's going to win MVP. I think that was an excellent call by you at the start of the season. You know, you did can I say st- that? <laughs> you can still. I thought you said that he was going to win, but you can. No, still I thought get- Giannis was the best bet. To be honest, yeah, but nobody's voting for Giannis. You can still get Durant at pretty good plus money on Bovada as of this recording. So I, right I now, I would bet on Jokic though. Given those he, odds, he should win. Jokic should win. I don't know why he wouldn't. He's he's first in the Basketball Reference MVP tracker. Somehow Harden is uh, on that list too. That top ten I'm, uh, that surprised me, but he's been playing a lot better of late, and he's taking the same kind of like offensive load that he always has. Which you know, it's just different. But I, I, I don't know. I, I just think Brooklyn is going to. Brooklyn's going to really look back on this and be like, damn, we really we're a good team right now. Definitely possible that they could get the one seed, but like they're not, in my opinion, a title favorite having to play these guys this many minutes because they're just not going to figure that out. You know, like it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. Any other ones that you had? Because we've kind of do you have t- an obligatory Lakers talk because I do think they need something. What the problem with the Lakers is like, what do they need? Right. Like, I think their wish list is just that everybody's healthy. Like, I, 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 think I don't if- think so. I think they need something here. I, I'll throw out a couple more loose ends that I had. Um, obviously, New Orleans wants Zion back, even if he's like, yeah, we didn't even talk a year guy. Let's not even talk about the Lakers. For, let's let's skip that. Let's let's end on Zion for a second. So. Problem with his rehab, right? They shut oh, him yeah. down. Did we not talk about? Oh, we haven't talked about this. So oh, yeah, then they yeah. they go back and they look at the imaging and they saw something like concerning, right? And it seems like it's his pinky toe. I think I saw fifth metatarsal, which I, I think is pinky toe, but they saw something concerning, and so he's like shut back down. So at this point, he it has to be like overwhelmingly likely that he's not playing any games this year, right? Like it's it's December fifteenth, like who knows when he's going to start up his rehab again, maybe in a month. And then like there's reports that he's 350 pounds. We've seen some pictures. They, they are on flattering angles, but even, even so it's, I don't know. It's pretty, pretty bad. I want to ask you, like, is it conceivable that he never plays for the Pelicans again? Is that like a conceivable thing at this point? Sure. I mean, it has to have some percentage chance, I think, but not a big one. Well, I think I, I just would be so curious what's going on in his head, regardless of his body, because there was some talk, you know, they're trying not to trade Brandon Ingram, but they're talking about trying to get Ben Simmons. They're talking about moves. And I think a healthy Zion would have so much weight, no pun intended. In the, Sixers would probably, the Sixers would probably do that pretty quickly, I think. I, I don't think so I, too. I'm guessing Maury doesn't think Brandon Ingram is like as good as everyone else, but I think like 
Ingram and something could probably get that done. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I, so literally like, I don't think the Pelicans should trade Ingram for Simmons, but if a healthy Zion could, you know, basically make the call. He has like the nuclear code in that, in that way. But now I don't know what his leverage is. I don't know if you're the Pelicans, if you can even, we talk so much about building a team around Zion. I don't even know if that can be your plan anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, the number of healthy games that you get from him. At this point, like, I think you kind of have to treat him like, you know, Joel Embiid got treated early where like what you saw was great, but you just had no idea if like he was ever going to be able to play, you know, 50 games in a year, multiple years. And, you know, he's been able to do that. But with Zion, I think, especially because like this injury was kind of like covered up, not not covered up, but like it wasn't really reported on at the time. And now, you know, we're over a third of the way into the year or just about a third of the way into the year. And like the chances that he plays this season seem incredibly low. And, and if you're new Orleans, you, you, like you said, you're, you're right. And like, that has to be part of your calculus for the future, especially yes. if you're talking about like potentially like the team getting moved. And I don't even think, I don't even think that's a realistic thing right now, at least, but like, I think it would have been. Like it's, it. Yeah. Like this sounds crazy talk, but I think it's real. If Zion had lived up to the potential and it was like he was an MVP candidate right now. And he looked like one of the most valuable players in the league. I literally think Zion could have moved the team. Like that's how powerful I think he could have been as far as a superstar where he's like, I'm going to leave you guys unless you move to Vegas or whatever. My right. team wants to be in Vegas or my team wants to be, you know, wherever. New I don't, York. I don't think, I don't think he could have done that. Personally. I think he could have done that, but because they're on the ropes anyway, you know, it's not like, but he's not, it's not his decision though. Like he doesn't own the team. No, but I'm saying if he's like, if he gave him that choice, he's like, look, I'm a superstar. I've won MVP two times in a row. Let's just say he's like Giannis level. So you're I'm, saying then the Benson family, who is like the most important family in new Orleans, they're going to be like, sure, we'll move the team to Vegas I think they would and sell still the team own it. And, yeah. Why would they sell it? Then it doesn't, then what does Zion being on the team Zion, matter to them? If they sell the team, if because he would probably like double the price. Well, yeah. I mean, they double their. I mean, any and any NBA franchise now is going to be probably worth double what who anybody. But this is all fantasy talk because we don't know if he's going to play. I, I don't know, like I, I, sixty I'm, games ever. You yeah, know? That, that's kind of the thing. I, I think it's. I mean, I guess just like you said, the healthy Zion is the Christmas wish list. But because the Pelicans have like shown some signs of competency since everyone's been healthy, like Willie Green has looked like he is not going to be a dud but at the same time their roster is currently pretty pretty much a dud with the exception of like Valanciunas and Brandon Ingram so I just am I'm just very confused about if I was the Pelicans I don't even know like you can fire David Griffin but like they have a bunch of picks and stuff like that but like how do you even know what to do with those picks do you just plan like oh man Zion's definitely gonna be healthy to start next year so Mm -hmm. we can just plan like that's our future I don't think you can do that and I think all these teams that are sort of on the verge of should we tank, should we not, should we call it a season? Like it looks like a strong draft class this year and a very strong draft class next year, the year after. I think a lot of teams, it's only a quarter of the season, but I think a lot of teams are going to have that decision coming up where it's like, you know, yeah, when, Portland's, you know, the Spurs, I think New Orleans. Adding- now that Jabari Smith has kind of showed that he can be included in that prospect list with Holmgren and Paolo Mancaro, I, I think that you're right. I think the teams will look at it and be like, you know, this is a really strong top three and then maybe even a strong top five, depending on how you feel about some other, you know, G League guys and some other guys in college that haven't gotten the, the fanfare quite yet. But I do agree that this does appear to be a pretty strong draft. 
stronger than 2022, in my opinion, because yeah. Amani Bates just doesn't look quite well, like he's ready. But And then it's tough for a lot of teams like, you know, Houston's been winning and Oklahoma said he's won more than I thought, but they'll be down there. But like teams like Sacramento, where it's like best case scenario, we get into the playing tournament and lose. Like, is that worth it? And it's hard to tank because they have decent guys. So, I mean, it's worth it to them. But let's let's wrap now. We'll talk. We'll what do you want for, for for the holidays? Can listeners send you something on your OnlyFans account or your Venmo? <laughs> yeah, OnlyFans account. I don't. I don't know. Good. Good. Uh, good games on Christmas Day. How about that? That's it. You, I don't really world peace or anything. Yeah, definitely not world peace. I'm not. I would. I want something that impacts me specifically. I'm way too selfish to totally want to help the global. The world good. peace would not help you. No, it would um, not. So. You're an agent of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our, our podcast is actually um, sponsored by the military <laughs> industry. That's, people don't know that. God. All right. Sew he is Zan underscore. You know what? Yeah, actually, I'll tell you. What, I tell you what I want on uh, for for Christmas, real quick. Yeah, I want to go back to Sunday and have the F1 race director make a different decision at the. Why end does everyone care race. about that now? All of a sudden, I don't understand. I don't I've been watching for this is this is my third year watching, so I don't know. Uh, it's I, really I, hot. I want for Christmas. You didn't ask me, but I'll do it anyway. Yeah, that's true. Go ahead. What do you want for Christmas? I want some generous benefactor. I'll go fifty fifty with them. Jokic plus thirteen hundred MVP. I think he's going to win it again. <laughs> Well, you could I think his stats are just that. going to be such monster stats by the end of the year. You can go on Bovada and you can place that bet on your own without any help. You can give yourself a Christmas gift. But he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. And uh, you can email the show, ZanderGellison at gmail.com. And like I said, next week we'll preview the Christmas Day games and, and talk a, a little bit about what, you know, because this is kind of like what people think is the real start of the NBA season. But uh, other than that, we will be back next week as always. And uh, Zan, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 